back for another edition of Chat BTV, and let's give a nice uh, warm welcome to Noah, Noah Collette. I'm down here in D.C. meeting up with some of Stella's friends, and so Noah, um, tell us where'd you grow up? Uh, I actually grew up around here. I live like 45 minutes outside of the city, so I've gotten a chance to grow up around the monuments and the museums most of my life, so I have a pretty good little map of dc kind of just memorized at this point um there's definitely some pieces of the city that i'm not as familiar with but uh, i've gotten to see a lot of the sites from an early age and know a lot of the back roads and stuff to avoid that traffic <laughs> you grew up in maryland yes and tell me about you and went to high school in maryland is that where you started your lacrosse career I started playing lacrosse in 2010. I remember doing this little summer camp um, with a couple of my friends growing up, and I actually hated it the first day and because uh, it was just such a different sport than anything I had done because I had grown up playing like soccer and football and basketball and track. Um, so to have kind of this stick in your hand and catching a ball and doing all these things was just so foreign to me at the time that I just had no want to learn or get better at it but my mom was like no no stay with it um of course it's not an easy sport (laughs) it's gonna it's gonna have to like click with you over time and stuff so I'm really fortunate that I stuck it out because now the stick is definitely kind of an extension of my arm and the amount of connections I made from the sport as well as just kind of the cathartic nature of passing a ball off a wall um has been really nice um to grow up with but i I did play in high school. That was kind of like the peak of my lacrosse career because I didn't play in college. I just kind of played for a club team and stuff. But, yeah. And why didn't you go big in college? Um, I started going into the recruiting process a little bit, but it was in that time where I realized I didn't have the same love for the game that other people did around me. And I just kind of wanted to do something else with my life uh, at that point in time so I kind of put it more on the back burner I was also going into college trying to study uh, pre-med and hopefully become a doctor so the whole thought that I could be playing as like a student athlete as well as studying pre-med just seemed like a very daunting thing to take on as an 18 year old especially with such kind of just minimal knowledge of the real world at the time and everything so We'll get back to that in a moment. Tell me about your parents. Uh, yeah, so I have a mom and a dad and a sister and a dog. Um, her name is Piper, the dog, not my sister. <laughs> but my, uh, my parents met, uh, they both went to University of Maryland, and they met shortly after that in the same kind of area when they were working at this little uh, legal company. Um, and they kind of just, the rest is history from there. What do they do now? Uh, my mother's a graphic designer. Um, she does a lot of graphic design work for some horse shows um, up and down the East Coast. And then my dad is a vice president and fiscal policy executive for this one college in our area. So, A community college? Yes. Uh, it's the school Mon- uh, called Montgomery College. It's one of the top community colleges in the nation. So he was he was really happy to get that job because he has always been working for the school systems like he was an associate superintendent and a chief technology officer for the school system that my sister and I both went through but as time went on he kind of just wanted something new as well so 
he's really been liking that new job for the college. Tell me about your sister, younger, older? Uh, she's younger. She's going to be turning 21 this year, so she's a few years younger than I am. Um, she's also in school, just trying to figure out what she wants to study still, because um, she's kind of just at a crossroads of what's kind of interesting her, but yeah, she's coming along. <laughs> close? Um, we're pretty close. Our relationship is definitely kind of gone in and out as time has gone on, but I think we've kind of rekindled that relationship. Uh, the pandemic definitely did a number on us because I think we were just not, <laughs> we just weren't meant to be confined to a space together that close with such minimal information and stuff like that for so long. So that was definitely a bit of a strenuous period on us, but I'm kind of happy that we got through that. Well, I think it was a strenuous period for everybody. So what was, what was the school experience like for you during the pandemic? It was definitely rough. I had a hard time adjusting to online courses. It was during that time during the pandemic when I realized I didn't really want to study public health anymore because, as I said, coming into college, I wanted to do pre-med. And so I started on a very standard linear pre-medicine course uh, track. And then once I reached organic chemistry, I had a lot of struggles. <laughs> it was a, that was a tough class. And so I failed that the first time I took it and I retook it and didn't do much better. And it was definitely a very humbling experience to realize that like you were the person that they were kind of trying to weed out of the medical program and stuff. So I was kind of having this existential moment of like, oh, I thought this is what I wanted to do, but maybe it's not. And so I ended up going into public health and then uh, my public health coursework was interesting. I liked it. I liked my professors. But the pandemic also kind of just did a number on that to me in terms of how much I truly wanted to be in a public health position and how public health officials were treated during the pandemic and everything. I just wasn't a fan of that. And I would say at the same time, I was also going through some anxiety and depression episodes and everything. So I started to become more and more interested with just the human brain and how it operated and why it thought the things that it did and why we act the way we do. So following the pandemic, like right after 2020, I took a, um, a short break from school to kind of just figure out what I wanted to do next. And in that interim term, I'm really thankful that my father kind of just pushed me to keep taking courses through his community college to be able to one, get some additional knowledge on different kind of subjects that I would maybe want to study, as well as giving me credits to transfer back to the institution with. So I kind of took a few courses at this community college, transferred a bunch of my credits over there, and was able to get an associate's degree in uh, social sciences and health administration. And through that degree, as well as different life events I had gone through, I just kind of realized I had this love for psychology and how the brain works and I had a very positive experience in therapy and just wanted to learn more about the brain and different disorders and how I could possibly give back in some way to a community that was in a similar position that I was. It's kind of a somewhat common course of action for people who've experienced mental health issues to want to help others get through those similar situations so I'm kind of it's it was a very challenging period of time but I also believe that it was like one of the most important periods of my life because it taught me so much about 
myself as well as what I'm capable of and what I'm truly interested in studying. So I'm very thankful for that. How far along are you on that? Uh, I'm almost done. Knock on wood. Um, it's been a long, been a long time coming, <laughs> but I'm supposed to be finishing up at the end of 2024. So everything goes to plan. I'll hopefully have a degree by the end of the year. So. And what happens when you get a degree in that? How do you, how do you then translate that into the workplace or whatever you do? Well, that was one of the things that I was really interested in when I first started because I felt like there was not that many psychology jobs for just a bachelor's degree. But one of my early professors in my psych degree like quickly disproved that, that there's so many entrance level positions with a bachelor's for psychology. There's lots of uh, therapy opportunities as well as um, like positions in different companies that need kind of someone to approach situations within like marketing or sales or finances with a psychological perspective, um, just of how people think, how people may want to buy things, how people may. So if I don't necessarily go a clinical route after a bachelor's, there's definitely a, a spot at a table for me. That being said, there's way more opportunities for people with masters in psych degrees. So after I finish my bachelor's, I would like to take a little bit of time off and really focus on my creative ventures and apply for some positions and just see what's out there as well. But going to a master's program so I could potentially become a therapist um, in the same kind of field of therapy that I went through would be really fulfilling for me. And there's a lot of, it's it's, it's kind of nice how the psych world is. There's a lot of situations for uh, for students who have bachelor's degrees to kind of get research opportunities or uh, teaching opportunities with different professors that can help kind of fund their grad situations. So there's a lot of people who go to psych masters who are having some of their tuition paid for or fully taken care of by their jobs or uh, research kind of organizations that they're working for. So it'd be kind of fun to get into something like that. One of my professors is kind of working to help me get in with the American Psychological Association, which is just at the foot of the Capitol, which was something I didn't know for a very long time. So that would be a really cool position to fall into as well as just a research assistant for a bit of time. Why, going back, did you want to be a doctor in the first place? I had shadowed at a hospital for a few years, um, but more, I think, if you want to back it up even further, when I was a kid, I was diagnosed with epilepsy. And I outgrew it by high school because the age that I was diagnosed with it, the doctors that I saw just had a lot of faith that since I was so young with a disorder like that, the proper medication and treatment and testing would be able to kind of eradicate it. And I was also fortunate enough to not have a, a form of epilepsy that was too intense or too, too impairing. Like it was, my seizures were very infrequent and I didn't have that many, but that was like a definitely a challenging part of middle school for myself and my family and stuff. Cause it was just like a period of time of kind of just what's going on. But that kind of, and it will kind of notice, I feel like I see that a lot in my life where there's kind of my own experiences kind of influenced me to want to do something about a greater group of people. So I was kind of in that similar boat where I wanted to, I had gone through something and wanted to help other people in a way that 
I was helped kind of. So I was interested in neurology for a little bit, but then through shadowing at this hospital, I kind of wanted to be an ear, nose, and throat surgeon for <laughs> some reason. It just seemed really interesting to me at the time. Um, yeah. Well, you don't have to sell me on the how scary seizures are. Tell me about the connection between your dog, Piper, and your seizures. It's just really interesting like when uh i mean one she's just such a great dog to have she's very her disposition is very awesome like she knows when uh like we're kind of just petting her and like she knows when there's like a toddler or a young child around that wants to pet her and she'll like lay down on the ground for them to pet her and everything because she knows that she's like bigger than a little child or something but when it came to when I was having uh, seizures, she would know before it happened. Um, and the first time I had one, I remember since she was a puppy, my dad was trying to like get her out of the room and the EMTs were like insistent that she saw what was going on because it would probably train her to recognize something was wrong with me and stuff. So like after that first instance had happened, um, for like the following ones that would occur before it would happen she would definitely be a little different whether it would be like her kind of mannerisms or if she would kind of come over to me and sit with me more than normal or she would run over to me and kind of bark a few times then run over to my parents and like bark at them and come back and forth until kind of something happened or if something had happened she would like run and get them and let them know that something was wrong so I think she was definitely aware that there was something wrong going on with me at that time did you ever have a time where she came over to you and that you knew you were about to have one no I never did because I don't think I ever at least in that age or mindset like was cognizant enough of my body of like what was coming so I think I was kind of too young to understand yeah have you ever read anything since that gave you some insight as to how a dog could possibly know that? And I, I think you mentioned at one point do you think it might have to do with smell? Yeah, I think since dogs' noses are just so fine-tuned, there's got to be some sort of different smell or hormone that they smell in that instance. Um, I mean, I've done a lot of reading on like emotional support dogs and um, dogs that are service animals um, and how they kind of understand when medical emergencies are going to happen um, usually based on kind of the mannerisms or the smells that they kind of pick up off their owner so that's kind of my only knowledge but it's all knowledge I learned long after the fact it was nothing in the moment I think my parents had a better understanding of that than I did when it was going on and did your parents go along with letting the dog do what he wanted to do yeah because I think they they learned also that it was kind of important that she was aware of what was going on and I think she has kind of like maternal instincts because she like to this day will kind of hang out with my sister on days where she's not having a good day um and vice versa like with my mom or something with my mom's kind of feeling sad or something I think Piper just knows what's up <laughs> so I better hope if I meet your dog in is it it's a he right it's a she she I, I should probably hope she doesn't come near me <laughs> I mean, maybe but you know she's she always means well so I never know and what kind of dog 
Uh, Piper's a sheepadoodle. She's a mix between a sheepdog and a poodle. And she definitely looked more sheep than poodle to me. Oh, definitely. Yeah, she she gets that a lot. People will think she's like a sheepdog, or we've gotten a Portuguese water dog before, but she definitely has a lot of sheepdog in her, way less poodle. Like, the poodle, I think, shines through in kind of like her curls, but her appearance is very sheepdog. Um, let, let's jump ahead here to your current work with your, you mentioned creative work. Um, you, last night we had the opportunity to watch some of your videos. You do sports videos and you just, it's really incredible work that you're doing. So how did you get into that? Um, it's actually kind of crazy. I would, one of my friends when I was in eighth grade started a youtube channel where he was just playing video games um and just uploading it and he had a very small following but i thought that was like so cool to see someone that i knew kind of build a platform for themselves just doing something they were interested in so my friend one of my good friends sean and i he and i started making these little soccer videos where we would just kind of do excuse me little uh little soccer challenges that are at this field close to our house and then edit them with some music and post it on YouTube. And they'd only got a couple of views, but that was kind of like my first step forward at trying to record things and edit video. And that made me realize that it was a fun activity. And say summer of 2017, I got to school um, and my friends and I just started kind of taking little short clips of us just kind of relaxing around campus and I edited all that footage together at the end of the summer and made this little summer movie and it got like a thousand views on YouTube and I at the time I thought that was the coolest thing ever and so it made me want to just keep going with it um, in terms of how I got into sports videography after being at the University of Maryland for a couple of years one of my family friends was able to put me on with the athletic department there and was able to vouch for me to get me an interview and everything. I'm very thankful to her, uh, Dr. Marsha Ginsler Stevens. <laughs> um, she was able to get me an interview with the athletic department and they were willing to give me a shot. And I started filming University of Maryland sports teams and creating content for the social media pages as well as the in house screens. So the stuff on the jumbotrons and the ad boards and stuff would be work that I was doing. And the first sport that I got to cover was women's women's soccer in the fall of 2018 or 2019. And I met this one videographer at one of the games and he was another local videographer like I was, but he was just kind of a freelance videographer at that game. And he had asked if I had known his work and I had never been familiar with him but he showed me his page and he had like 20,000 followers at the time and I was like oh wow this guy's definitely got something right going and so I was asking what he was doing and he was saying he had just really built a huge following from going to different high schools and colleges around the area and just building connections with the teams and the players and the parents and the athletic directors and the coaches um, to the point where he was able to really make something for himself out of just highlighting the athletes in the area and something about the DMV is there's a very high concentration of very talented student athletes um, there's so many football and lacrosse and basketball stars <laughs> that come out of the DC Maryland Virginia area that I'm very thankful to be able to be in an area where there's so many 
talented folks that supply me such great content because it makes my life a lot easier. Um, but after this conversation with this videographer, he invited me to come to a game with him. And I, I did because at the time I was starting out and didn't really have too much going on. And after that game, I sent him my videos and he was really a big fan of it. And I was like, oh, can I make an edit of my own from this? I know we were working together on this and everything, but it would be kind of fun to just test the waters and see how I can make an edit. And he was like, oh, knock yourself out, go for it. It's your footage and everything. I'd love for you to do that. And the rest was kind of history. That that video like blew up the day I posted it. It was the first video I had to get over 10,000 views. And uh, it was, I yeah, I, I had posted that video and I came back like 30 minutes later and it was already at like 500 or 1,000 views. And I remember just being like, oh, this is special. <laughs> this, is, this is pretty cool. So I kind of just stuck with that and the opportunities and different teams I've gotten to network with and everything has been really fun. So I'm hoping to continue pushing my creative limits and I have a few contacts within the NFL and the pro lacrosse sphere and stuff that I'm really trying to continue building so I can hopefully get a job for one of these NFL teams one day or one of these uh, more high profile lacrosse programs. Are do you envision trying to do both of what you're talking about with the psychology stuff and this, or are you going to have to make a decision at some point? In a perfect world, I would love to do them both. And I definitely feel like, I definitely feel like it's possible to do them both. I'm going to try and try my hardest to make it possible to do them both because I feel like I can do it in terms of just the logistics that each role would play. Um, but we'll see. Like I said, I would like to take a break from school when I get my degree just because it's been such a long time coming that I would like to just kind of let myself run creatively and see what I can do because I truly feel like school, it's not, not a burden by any chance, but it definitely keeps me away from doing my creative work to the level that I wish I could at times. Like during summer vacation and stuff is when I'm able to really do me because there's I don't have the worry about reading and turning in assignments and everything so I feel like that period of time after I graduate could be really special for my creative endeavors just because I would truly get a chance to focus on the artistic side of me and everything and um, yeah try and create something with that all right let's talk about our friend here Stella Rose Johnson and what makes her special to you? Oh, that's an easy but very hard to answer question. <laughs> like what she's very kind and very, very supportive. And I think that's something that I've kind of wanted from a partner for a long time. And to actually have that in someone is really near and dear to me. Um, that kind of genuine support, not necessarily just kind of saying what I would want to hear but like when I'm making videos or making music or something I can tell that Stella is interested in what I'm doing and she'll ask questions or recommend little noises that I add here and there say why don't you do something with this and then sometimes those little ideas create <laughs> great uh great works and stuff so the those two things are really my big things with Stella she's very kind she's very supportive um yeah never have had someone in my life who's that kind before 
and uh, her patience is also pretty awesome. <laughs> I feel like we really balance each other out with how patient we are. It allows us to stay level-headed and talk through situations that I feel like other people maybe would like jump to conclusions on or start an argument over or something like that. But I think that's why we're just so effective at communicating with each other and telling each other what we need or what we want to do or something just because we're so patient and open with each other. Well, kind, supportive, and patient. I, I don't think you can get three better adjectives than that. What's What's special about Noah to you? Um, hey, can I hold this? No. no. Okay, sorry. Um, there are many things. I would say I agree and would also say patience is a very big factor. I feel like, yeah, just... I'm never like overthinking a situation because it's being communicated on very well and there's also always a lot of support and I think yeah so many things but yeah kindness you're very funny it's very you know I love to giggle (laughs) it's always a silly time I feel like nothing's ever taken super seriously which I appreciate because you can yeah like navigate situations with just love and humor instead of as you said, jumping to conclusions and something leading to an argument. But yeah, I would, I would say it's the healthiest love I've ever had. And the guy can cook. True. He's a chef. I mean, you know, we had a great meal last night. You made a pasta dish with um, leeks and um, what am I forgetting? I had leeks, garlic, prosciutto, heavy cream, pepper, and pasta. That's it. Um, But those ingredients come really nicely together in a way when they're cooking, like the prosciutto and the heavy cream come together to create this really nice, salty, creamy texture in the pasta that almost tastes like cheese, but there's no cheese in the dish, so it's a kind of cool little trick on the palate. Well, your your cooking skills are really pretty impressive. The Stella at one point sent me a picture of the beef Wellington you'd made. Uh, you know, so tell, talk a little bit just about how you got interested in cooking. So growing up, my parents always cooked a lot, a lot of homemade recipes, um, a lot of Sunday dinners, a lot of weeknight dinners together, and I'm very fortunate for that. But that didn't really translate, I think, into my life until I got to college. And I would cook like a couple nights out of the week for my old roommates and we would have like pasta dinners and excuse me, like little chicken dinners and everything like that. But once the pandemic hit and I had so much more time on my hands, I was like, oh, what can I do? I'm stuck in the house. So I started to mess around with little dishes more. And I watched a lot of Hell's Kitchen with Gordon Ramsay. (laughs) And uh, as I started to get a little bit more comfortable in the kitchen, the beef Wellington was one of his specialty dishes on Hell's Kitchen, and I was—I had never had it before, and I was like, "That's such an intriguing dish, like that someone would think of combining all those ingredients together." And so I really wanted to try it. And the first time I made it, it was—it was okay. It was a little underdone in the center, but that just took some practice, and now I can successfully make a beef Wellington perfectly. <laughs> Is that? Do you have a signature dish? I think it's this one pasta dish that I have been working on for a while. There's this one dish that my roommates and I used to make um, that was kind of this penne with a basil garlic cream sauce and chicken. But it didn't start as penne. It started as like a long noodle and 
there was no chicken the first time, so it was more just like an Alfredo and a lot more cheese than there was garlic and there was less basil and everything. But over time, I kind of just started messing around with that uh, recipe that we had kind of created. And now I feel like it's at a much better place. Um, it just, I added like bacon to it, it changed the pasta type, added different spice levels, and it just, it's like a kind of dish where I can really see how it's changed over the past four years. So that's kind of cool to see that like it's kind of a placeholder for how my cooking has gotten better because the initial dish was, it was pretty good, but it didn't really make too much sense. And now it feels like a much more complete meal in a bowl and not just kind of some folks just throwing stuff together, hoping that it's going to taste good in the end. <laughs> Psychology cooking and a videographer pretty good combo and music producer, and, and producer. <laughs> yeah in my family uh my mom's side is very artistic so they say you got the murdoch genes if you happen to be the creative one in the family so i definitely thank my grandmother for passing those down because <laughs> i definitely have a bit of that in me and you're a lefty i kind of like that yeah i am a lefty my dad is a uh, little bit ambidextrous so that's kind of cool random little fact <laughs> i'm really honored that you let me do this and it's been just really a lot of fun to spend some time with you and get to know you this weekend so thanks for thanks for doing this no of course thank you for having me on here i mean stella's told me for a while about your presence in radio and um i've just find that fascinating and so i was a big fan of the episode of <laughs> chat btv that you had stella on um so i'm happy that i could participate in this as well. <laughs>